0: We're going to start right at the top of your outline, and uh, tonight we are looking at getting to know the Holy Spirit, getting to know the Holy Spirit uh, tonight, and I'm thankful that we are turning the page past the enemy and we're, we're on to victory, amen? And uh, so in the two previous lessons we learned about the evil spirit whom the Bible calls Satan and the devil, now we'll get to know the Holy Spirit. In the spirit world, we are in a constant battle. Therefore, nothing is more important than knowing the Holy Spirit. Getting to know him requires answering three basic questions, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to answer the three basic questions about the Holy Spirit. My prayer is is that by the time we get to the end of this lesson tonight, that you will be more acquainted with the Holy Spirit than you ever have been. This is uh, an interesting facet as I begin to study you know, we talk about uh, from the pulpit as pastors, we talk about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And we talk about the Holy Spirit lives within you. And we talk about uh, uh, that he will give you discernment and, and, and that uh, he's part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all those kind of things. But I, I don't know that I've ever, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever taught on who the Holy Spirit really is, biblically. Um, we talk about him a lot, and uh, we think that we may even uh, know a, a lot about who this portion of the Trinity is. But as I began to study and look, and and um, I, it was just really revealed to me that the Holy Spirit of God, who does live within, live inside of me, has a uh, an insurmountable uh, job, if I could use that statement for you, to help me. To grow as a Christian and to be exactly what God wants me to be. Because he is the one that is speaking to me. He is the one that is guiding me. The Holy Spirit is. And so, and he is the one that is helping me discern the word of God. And so tonight I think that we can get to know him um, in a better way. So we have to answer three questions. The first one is, is who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Um, what, what, what role does he play in my life and, and, and who is he really? The Holy Spirit is God's agent of power. And if you don't get anything else out of this lesson, that's what you need to know. He is God's agent of power. He is the power behind the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. He is also the power behind the most important event in history. What's the most important event in history? The birth of Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel tells Mary, she is with child, that the Holy Ghost shall come upon her and the power of God shall overshadow her. Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 35 in a summary. Then what does Gabriel tell Mary in, uh, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35? He says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what? What? The Son of God, the Son of God. The the Holy Spirit of God was from the very beginning uh, at at the creation. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. And and now he's imparting the most impactful event throughout all of history, which was the birth of Jesus Christ. And then uh, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left what for us? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And so he is a part of every aspect of the gospel and our lives. The Holy Spirit also empowered Jesus to preach and to perform miracles while he was here on earth. Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. And I'm throwing passages of scripture out to you because we don't have time to read them all tonight because they're innumerable. However, he is much more than God's agent of power. And, and this is really what I want you to get. Because he is a person, he is not an it. And this is very important. And I want to be very cautious here, but I'm going to be forthright at the same time. We need to be very careful how we say God's name and how we use it. You know, when they were pinning the words of the Bible as they were being inspired... History tells us that when they came to any form of the name of God within the Trinity, that they would take their ink, feathered ink pen and they would throw it away and they would get a brand new one and they would dip it into the ink and they would write his name. And then when it came to his name again, they would take that pen and they would throw it away and they would get a new pen and they would dip it in the ink and they would write it again. That is how much they revered the name of God. That's how much they revered the name of Jesus. That's how much they revered uh, 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 the Holy Spirit of God. And yet, today, in our world and in our vernacular, we use God's name in such a way of non-reverence. And as a matter of fact, it bothers me to, uh, to the nth degree. And you're going to say, Pastor, you're just old school. Maybe I am. But he is not the man upstairs. He's God, right? He's, when we refer to God, I want to remind you, my God doesn't have a last name either. He's God, right? I mean, He he is holy, and, and we should treat Him as such. We need to be very cautious about how we use His name. And not only that, we need to be cautious about What we do in his name. You see, he's an agent of power because he is a person that lives inside of us. He is the third person of the Trinity. Therefore, he is God. As already cited in lesson one, when Ananias sells some land, remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. He tells Peter he is giving all the money to the church, but we find out that he, in fact, is lying Peter tells Ananias that Satan has filled his heart to lie to who? The Holy Ghost. Then Peter tells him the land was his to sell or not to sell as he wished, and the money was his to give away as he chose. Therefore, why would he lie? Peter finally tells him he has not lied unto men, but he has lied unto God. He's lied unto God. And it's so very important that we are just cautious within our own lives, of what we say and what we do. Because I believe with all my heart that we'll give an account for it. This is a clear affirmation of the deity of the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples, I and my Father are what? One. He also tells them concerning the Holy Spirit, for he dwelleth with you and shall be what? In you. And then in chapter 14 and verse number 20, Jesus reveals this about the Holy Spirit. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit? That once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he takes up permanent residence within you. Okay? Okay. Now, that is a wonderful thought, all right, when you think about it for a moment. It is a wonderful thought to think that once I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, he takes permanent residence. I mean, I'm saved, and I'm saved, and I'm saved, and I'm saved, and I can't do anything to become unsaved. No matter what anybody tells you, okay? If they tell you you can lose your salvation, I'll tell you it's not biblical. You will not lose your salvation, However, there's another side of the Holy Spirit that you need to know about. You're saved, you're always saved, he's always in you. That means he's always in you. He's always there. He's present everywhere we go. He hears everything we hear. He sees everything that, he, that, he, that uh, we see. He lives within us. He is guiding us. He is directing us. And, and, and he is the third part of the Trinity. He's such a pivotal role in our lives here on this earth. And uh, when he takes up residence in our lives, he takes up residence so that we are now saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ on an eternal road uh, of living for Christ and doing what God has called us to do. You know, I, I said this on Sunday. No, no matter what we do in our lives, no matter the job that we have, no matter uh, uh, the, the things that we have, all of those things, are, none of them are wrong. And, and, and we have to have uh, some to survive. But ultimately, as we're here on this earth, our ultimate goal is not to live for this earth. Our ultimate goal is to live for heaven. It's to live for him. It's laying up our treasures in heaven. And we do that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is in us, so is Jesus. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is. You know why? Because they're the Trinity. Are you following it? I know it's, 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 it's I'm going to be honest with you. It, it's not an easy thing to understand. Uh, this idea of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And he lives inside of you. So when we get in our cars and we go home, the Holy Spirit goes in 50 different directions. That's a deep thought when you really think about it. And, and, and as I'm standing here preaching, uh, our missionaries in, in, in Africa, he's there too. And, and our missionaries over here, he's there too. He is with us always, which means that Jesus Christ is with us always, who is the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is God's agent of power. He is the third person of the Trinity, and he is God living in believers. So that's the first question, who is he? Second question is this, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? I'm not going to tell you who it was, but um, last night about 10.30, my phone went off. And it was a text message, it was a very long text message. And uh, someone within our church is associated, uh, a friend of theirs, um, that their mother is passing away. And I don't know how much, and I know we're, I'm not trying to be morbid here tonight, but I don't know how much you have actually experienced um, long-term whenever someone is, is, is passing away. And, and, and it can take time. And that's hard for people to understand. You know, why would God allow someone in our own mind, in our own flesh, to suffer and, and, and be unconscious, basically? And the question was this, outside of all that. The question was this. Pastor, she's laying there. She's unconscious. Um, you know, she, she's breathing just a little bit. Has her spirit left her? Has the Holy Spirit left her? The Bible says this, to be, what's the next word, absent from the body. I believe, based upon everything that I know about the word of God, that it is not until we take our last breath that the Holy Spirit leaves our body. And the reason he leaves our body is because our soul leaves. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'm, I'm now with God the Father and God the Son right instantaneously that's right Mitch and and so when I look at these scenarios and and I and I see this and and I got the response back well if the Holy Spirit is still living with that side of her that means God is still with her and that's correct why is God allowing this and my response to that always is this why would God not allow it you see, we have a tendency to look at things in our lives in the wrong perspective. When we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about God and we say, well, well," the truth of the matter is, is that God is merciful and he's gracious and all these things, certainly he is. And do you realize he designed our bodies for life? When we were born, we were born to live. Certainly, we're going to eventually either die or the Lord is going to take us home one or the other. But we're born to live. And until God decides that we take our last breath, we will continue to live. So when do we receive the Holy Spirit? We just talked about when the Holy Spirit leaves us, but when do we receive it? We, when we accept Christ, an inner spiritual transformation takes place. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we become what? New creations in Christ. We become new creations in Christ. Let me put it to you like this, all right? Trying to lighten the mood here for a moment. You guys, I know you've had a long day probably. Um, Do you remember the flood with Noah? Okay. So you know the story how Noah preached for 100 years. He built an ark. And uh, no one repented. He got on the ark, him and his family, right? God shut the door. God destroyed the earth. Do you remember? Do you believe he destroyed the earth? Do you believe there was a flood? Okay. That's important to note the flood destroyed the earth finally the water started subsiding he sent the raven out do you remember that sent the raven out the land was still wet remember because the raven came back then he sent the dove out remember god destroyed the earth and then when noah got off of the ark because the earth was basically destroyed land was still there but the, the, the essentials of life, the trees and the flowers and the animals that didn't make it on the ark and all, destroyed. When they got off the ark, it was like starting their lives all over again. Right? That's exactly what salvation is like. At the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, inside of us is flooded. And God literally flushes out all the sin... God literally flushes out everything that's inside of us, and He seals us. Just like whenever that ark was closed, that ark on the uh, the door on the ark was closed. The Bible said, "Who shut it?" God shut it. There was no way that anybody could open it. Noah couldn't open it. I'm certain that Noah might have went to the door. I wasn't on the ark, but I just have a little bit of an imagination. I can imagine if I was Noah. I might have went to the door because I hear people screaming. Let me in, right? I mean, can you imagine? And I might have want to open the door. Because I, I, don't, I, I don't want people to suffer. But when God shuts the door, there's only one person that can open it. Who's that? God. It is the perfect picture of salvation. The ark is. Because, you know, Noah was in the ark. And I imagine that when the flood started rising... And the boat started doing like this. Noah might have fell, fallen over in the ark. Noah might even got hurt. Noah, Noah may even face some difficult times, but there's no way that Noah could have ever fallen out of the ark because God shut the door. Just like help us with our Christian lives. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, He seals us. There's no way that we can fall out of it. We may fall. We may make mistakes, we may suffer in our Christian life, but God does not unseal it. At the moment that we accept Jesus Christ, a spiritual transformation takes place and we become new creations. I hear people say this all, uh, uh, to me and they'll say, Pastor, I have to get the outside right before I can get the inside right. You got it backwards. We got it backwards, Right? We'll we'll allow God to work on the inside, and then as God convicts you of something needs to be changed on the outside, he'll help you with that. It, It is an inner transformation that takes place as he takes up residence in our lives. Then, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have new attitudes that result in new actions. We are no longer controlled by our sinful natures, but by the Holy Spirit. This is true of every believer. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. This is what the Bible says. But you are not in the flesh, but in the what? Spirit. If so be that, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He's none of his. So we know that th- there is a separation between those that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and those that have. Because if you have, you're not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. Now, do we still have the flesh? We still have the flesh. We fight it every single day of our lives. And, and what we have to do is we have to realize that the spirit is greater than the flesh. And the only way that we're going to have power over the flesh is by taking up residence and, and trusting in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of God to give us the power to do so. Because of this fact, the body of every believer is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. You are the temple of Christ. When we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, he comes to live in us and in the person of the Holy Spirit. And our hearts become his what? I really want you to understand that. Our hearts become his home. Now, let me ask you a question. And this, we're going to have a little bit of audience participation here, all right? So just raise your hand and I'll call on you, all right? This is fun. We love this. This is the great thing about Wednesday nights, all right? Um, when you think of the word home, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Safety. Good. Somebody else? Family. Good. Somebody else? Comfort. Loud. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> Every parent can understand that word. When you think of home, what do you think of? Love. What else? I heard somebody. Happy. Happy. Good. What else? Your mom. Good. That's great. Who else? Peace. Good. Who else? Comfort. Good. Do you hear this? When we think of home, this is what we think of. So if Jesus Christ, our Savior, if the Holy Spirit becomes our home, his heart is our home, that is exactly what we have. We have comfort. We have love. We we have peace. We have all of these things because he's taken up residence within us. And sometimes it even gets loud. You know, the noises of life, right? You ever feel that way? But you know what? You have the Father. We mentioned mom. The same idea. The comfort is in the mother. And we have the Father, God the Father, to find that within us. Our hearts become his home. Here's the question, though, and this is the hard one for all of us, including the guy who's talking to you. How's the house cleaning going? Right? If my heart is his home, how's the house cleaning? Is it dirty? Or will we be proud? I'm not talking about a physical home, I'm talking about your spiritual life. It's so important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is taking up residence within us. Getting to know the Holy Spirit requires knowing the answers to the questions who is the Holy Spirit? And when do we receive the Holy Spirit? And thirdly, what does the Holy Spirit do? So, so we know who he is. And we know when we receive him. But after we receive him, what do we do? Or what does he do? Well, what is his job? What is his, his manifestation in our life? What does the Holy Spirit do for us? Jesus' ministry was to accomplish salvation for us. He did this by dying on the cross to pay for our sins and rising again to defeat death giving us eternal life. When Jesus' earthly ministry ended, the ministry of the Holy Spirit began in our lives. His ministry involves four areas. So there are four areas uh, that that the Holy Spirit ministers to us. First of all, he teaches us. He teaches us. Understand this, that uh, whenever you're listening to someone preach or you're listening to somebody teach or you're reading a book or you're reading the Word of God and... And you're studying, and all of a sudden, have you ever had one of those light came on moments? One of those, you know, aha. You know, you ever had one of those? It's like, I get it. Look at me for a second. It has nothing to do with the preacher or the teacher, it has nothing to do with the book that you're reading, it has to do with the Holy Spirit. Because all of a sudden, you felt like, I don't get it. And let me tell you, that happens to me all the time. I'll look at something and I'll go, you know, because I, I, I'll just be honest with you. Some people will tell me, Pastor, I, I love uh, the way that you teach and the way that you bring it down to our level. Listen, this is the only level I have. It, it doesn't get any better than this, all right? I'm just telling you. Uh, I have to get it down here where I can understand it, all right? <laughs> Um, And and so when when I study the word of God, sometimes I go, I just don't get it. And so I'll go searching and I'll beg the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. And even though I may read something, even though I may hear something, even though I may see something, it is the Holy Spirit that's revealing the understanding to me. And that's why I want you to be very cautious. We need to make sure that all the credit that we give is not to man, that we give the credit to God. Because may I remind you of something else. Any word that is written, any word that is spoken is delivered by the Holy Spirit, not by man. You understand that? Please please be very cautious in that. So first of all, he teaches us. He teaches us things unbelievers cannot understand. And we know this. You know, before we were saved, we would pick up the word of God sometimes. And even now, we're asking the Lord to discern and the Holy Spirit to discern. But there are just some things that unbelievers do not understand. Unbelievers do not understand why you would take time out of a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock when you could be at home uh, in your pajamas, sleep, uh, sitting in your uh, a recliner, pretending to watch a TV show between your eyelids. They don't understand that, right? They don't understand why you would drag your family to church on Sunday morning when you could go to the beach. They don't understand that. I know I said a bad word, beach, um, by the way, there's a hurricane coming down through there, so you don't want to go to the beach, anyways. Um, and uh, I mean, there's there, there's, there's uh, the 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 lost don't understand. The lost don't understand why we would sacrifice financially for the benefit of the ministry and for the benefit of worldwide missions. The lost don't understand that. The lost don't understand why we live the way that we live and we do the things that we do and we don't do the things that we don't do. Right. They don't understand that. You know why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that that squeezes me every once in a while and says, are you sure you want to do that? Right? He, 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 He reminds me of the direction that I should be going in. And even though someone that's lost can't understand that, I can. I can understand it. Since unbelievers don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, they cannot accept the things of God. It all seems like foolishness to them because they are spiritually discerned. And it's 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 so important that we understand that. They they don't understand things spiritually. However, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach his followers all things. This means he will teach us all things we need to know to live for God. John chapter 16 to verse number 13, the Bible says this. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Look what it says. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will discern it for you. You know, I, I, people often come to me and they'll say, Pastor, what decisions should we pray about? Should I pray about all my decisions or should I just pray about the big ones? This is what I've learned about decisions. Decisions are like surgery. Did you know that? You know, if I'm having surgery, it doesn't matter if they're just doing something very small. It's major surgery. But if you're having surgery and something's very small, it might be minor surgery. Why? Because it's not happening to me. Right? The difference between major and minor just depends on who it's happening to. That's the way it is. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that we as Christians need to understand that the Holy Spirit of God will work through us and to us. And he will help us and he will guide us in every decision that we make so what decisions do we pray about we pray about all of them because you may think well that's a minor decision but you haven't seen past that decision to see if you don't rely on God that there may be major consequences do you see it every decision should be counted on God what is the truth the Holy Spirit will teach us? Jesus tells us in his prayer for his followers in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked God to sanctify his followers with the truth, which is God's word. The Holy Spirit's help us, excuse me, the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Bible, not for information, but for transformation. This is important. the, the Bible is not there for you just for information. The Bible is used for transformation. The the Bible is used so that it has application to my life and so that I can change what needs to be changed so that I can align myself with the word of God. I honestly believe there are some people in this world that are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You say, what do you mean, pastor? They're they're all about information. Listen, I want to know the word of God. Don't get me wrong. I want to study the word of God. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want it to just be a textbook. I, I don't, I, I, it's not going to be a test in the end. Do you understand that? When I get to heaven, it's going to be, what have you done for me? It's going to be what, what, what you know, laying up our treasures in heaven. Is, it's about what we do for Christ. It's important to know and to learn. But it's also important that we apply and we do, that we transform our lives based upon the word of God. Number two, he not only teaches us, but he empowers us. He empowers us. He gives us the power. Just before Jesus ascends back into heaven, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God empowers all of us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Number three, not only does he empower us, he convicts us. He convicts us. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, when things are not right in our lives, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to bring us to corrective action. This is not something that we enjoy talking about, but it's certainly something that we have to do. You know, it's amazing to me that as parents, we have no problem disciplining our children. You know, we have no problem telling them what's right and what's wrong. But when God begins to work in our life, we begin to push back. And we say, no, I'm in control of this. May I remind you uh, that no matter who you are in your life, if you're saved, you have a father. You have a father who is directing you and correcting you and helping you. He he is there uh, to encourage you. He is there to help you go in the right way. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would reprove the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. John chapter 16 and verse number 8. It's so important that we understand that he is there to help us, to correct us, to get us back to where we need to be. Even though in this passage Jesus was referring to unbelievers, the Holy Spirit also convicts Christians when we sin. Um, The word translated reprove... Alinko in the Greek means to rebuke of a wrong to, to the point of shame. And, and when you talk about reproving, God has to reprove us sometimes. He has to correct us and get us back into the right place that we need to go. And we send the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to make us feel so ashamed of what we have done, we will confess it and forsake it. Can I tell you, when you're sitting in a church service and all of a sudden it feels like you've had, you got a heartburn and you haven't had anything to eat, it's probably the Holy Spirit. I remember sitting in, in, in many services and, and it, it, I just become so uncomfortable. You ever felt that way? You know, I, I begin to squirm a little bit. And it was because the Holy Spirit of God was working on my heart and I needed to make a change. But can I tell you that he will never force the change. We have to be the one to say yes to the change. We have to be the one to give in to the Holy Spirit of God. He will not force himself on us. He will convict us. He will will, uh, speak to our hearts. But it's our job to make the difference. We have to confess it. And we have to forsake it. The Holy Spirit also convicts us of righteousness. He not only convicts convicts us when we do wrong... But also of the right things that we must do. He shows us when what we should do. You know, there's been many times in my life where I've been standing in a line at a store, or I've been uh, uh, at an event, and the Holy Spirit of God will say, Hey, go talk to that person over there. And I'll look at, I'll, I'll, I'll conversate with him. They don't, they don't, I don't think they really want to talk to me. W- will you go over there and talk to them? You know, me and the Holy Spirit, we're talking. I just don't know, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I should go. I, I'm telling you to go talk to them. Don't tell me you don't know if you should, you know. And then you, you kind of eat, you know, you do, you do the small shuffle hoping they'll, oh, maybe they'll go into the room over there and, you know, I won't see them anymore. You know, the small shuffle. And then you finally get over there to them and, you know, you say, hi, I, I'm, I'm Lee. And they'll look at you and they'll go, well, that's great many times I've opened conversations just like this because I'll know what the response is going to be I'll say hi I'm Lee and I really feel like God wanted me to come over here and talk to you for a minute and anytime I've ever said that statement it was like the wall broke and it was like the Holy Spirit just began to work and there's been many times though if I'm perfectly honest with you if I could be truthful don't get mad at me and don't say you're a terrible person, Pastor. But there's been times I've walked away from it and not listened to him either. Then I get home and I lay down on my bed and all I can see is their face. And I think to myself, why didn't I? Why didn't I go speak to them? Why didn't I go talk to them? You see, the Holy Spirit convicts me of the things that I should do that's right. In addition, he convicts unbelievers that they will face judgment, which is the divine uh, uh, tribunal before whom all unbelievers will stand. Believers will not face that judgment. However, the Holy Spirit convicts us in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be what? Good or bad. Good or bad? The word translated judgment seat is translated in the Greek, the bema seat. It refers to the place where believers will be rewarded and rebuked. The Holy Spirit convicts us of what we do wrong, as well as telling us to repent, confess, and receive forgiveness. He also warns us that one day we will stand before Christ to give an account of our lives. Number four, and I've got to hurry. He leads us. He leads us. This is the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He is my guide. He is my leader. The enemy is always trying to lead us into sin while the Holy Spirit tries to lead us to do God's will. All true believers who do God's will are led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter eight and verse number 14. The Holy Spirit leads us in three ways and this is how we'll close. First of all, the Holy Spirit leads us through scripture. He leads us through scripture. That's why it's so important and I know uh, that we're probably, you're probably sick of me harping on it but that's why it's so important that we read our Bibles. So important. And, 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 yet, and yet we think it's, it's so unimportant for some reason. I don't know why. You know, we, we, we don't have any problems, uh, 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 you know, divulging ourselves in many different areas of our lives. And why is it that we don't take time to read the Word of God and to study the Word of God? Because that's how the Holy Spirit leads us. That's how he guides us. You know, when you're making decisions in our lives, this is what people do. You ready? ready. And I really want you to see this because it's important. This is what people do. I'll pray about it. I think praying about it's important. But I think you should read about it. I really do. I think we need to find ourselves when we're making decisions and doing things in our life to pick up our Bibles and start reading it. Because every scenario that I'm going to face in my life somehow is intertwined in the word of God. And and God is going to direct us to the right place in the right scripture so that the Holy Spirit can lead us through his word. As we hear and we read and we study the Bible, he makes words, phrases and verses stand out. It is as though they are in bold print saying we need to apply this to our lives. I want you to think about this for a second. How many of you have been in church for more than five years? In church for more than five years. How many of you have been in church for more than 10 years? How many of you have been in church for more than 15 years? How many have been in church for more than 20 years? Wow. How many of you have been in church for more than 30 years? A couple people are just keeping their hands up. They're like, he's going to keep going. How many of you have been in church for more than 40 years? Okay. The pastor is at a great disadvantage now. How many of you have been in church for more than 50 years? 60 years, 70 years, look at this, 80 years, look at this, more than 80 years. Now, Jay, let me ask you a question. You have probably heard every verse in the Bible preached. And when the preacher stands up and preaches, do you still learn something new? why because it's new every time right I mean from somebody that's only been in church for one year to someone that's been in church 80 years what is the scripture it is applied to our lives in different ways I mean the Bible says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together right even as much as you see the day approaching. So what is God saying? God's saying, go to church. Right? That's what he says. Well, if he says go to church, then there must be something for me there. Right? And as I open the word of God, and even though I may have heard, I, I, my, my dad, my dad's going to be here in a few weeks. Um, when we're gone uh, the week of October 17th on the cruise with the seniors, uh, my dad's going to teach. And uh, yeah, he's very excited about that. And uh, no, he really is. Um, and uh, but my dad, I can go to his house and I can pick up his Bible, and I can look through his Bible. And my dad's had the same Bible I think since he was a teenager. And inside of his Bible, my dad has done this for years. Every time the pastor gets up and preaches, whatever the passage is, he writes the date. There are places on the margins of his Bible that you can't even read because that passage of scripture has been preached so many times while he sat in church. My dad's gone to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revivals, everything that you can imagine. And he's done that. And so I'll get up to preach. He'll do this to me. You, you pick on him when he's here. I'll get up to preach and I'll say, turn your Bibles to so-and-so. And this is what he'll say to me. Do you know back in January 4th of 2002, you preached on that same thing? Right? But yet, there's a total different application. And that's the great thing about the Word of God. Is that it is there to apply to our lives. Second, the Holy Spirit communicates. With us through spiritual impressions. Now, I was very cautious about putting this on here because I I don't want anybody to think that I'm crazy. Um, I might be, but don't tell anybody that, all right? Um, The Holy Spirit communicates with us through spiritual impressions. Now, this is almost impossible to explain, but I think some of you will get it because you must experience to understand it. What is a spiritual impression? When you think about an impression, making an impression or or an impression uh, on a piece of paper, it's something that's been stamped on there that wasn't there before, right? That's what an impression is. Have you ever had somebody make such an impression on you that you've never forgotten them? You know, they've either made a good or a bad one. I don't know which one, but they made an impression on you. The Holy Spirit of God does the same thing in our lives. You said, explain it to me, Pastor. Well... Most often, me personally, I receive these spiritual impressions as I'm preaching or teaching. It's when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to your spirit. Have you ever had a spiritual conversation with somebody and went home and go, I'm not even sure what I said? You ever been there? You know, you're so wrapped up and the Holy Spirit is so working in your life and you're sitting down and you're having a conversation and you're talking and it's getting deep and it's getting great and and, and you're talking back and forth and you're talking back and forth. And if you're anything like me, every time I have a conversation with somebody, if I counsel them, if I talk to them, whatever, I'll go home and I'll relive the whole thing. And I'll be like, did I say what I should have said? Did I do this? But there have been times in my life when I got home and I was like, I have no clue what I said. None. Why? Why? Because it was the impression of the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit also speaks to my spirit when I need to say a word of encouragement to someone or help someone. Many of you in this room have probably experienced those spiritual impressions of it just was, if I could put it to you this way, a God thing. It was just a God thing. There's no way to really explain it. There's no way that anybody else will understand it. But it was just a God thing. Third, the Holy Spirit leads us through inner peace. I talked a little bit about that already. When we are obedient to his leadership through obeying God's word or a spiritual impression, we experience supernatural peace. Why? Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. It's life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Holy Spirit gives us an awesome inner peace or tranquility when we do God's will. When we are not doing God's will, we can also sense a loss of this peace, an uneasiness, an unrestfulness. There are times when we must make a decision, and there is no verse in the Bible to tell us what to do, just black and white. It is then we make a decision based on the spiritual peace given by the Holy Spirit. That's why we are given this command in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15. And let the peace of God rule where? In your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body. I love this verse because it doesn't end with just let the peace of God rule in your hearts. There's a little tag on it. And be ye thankful. Be thankful. The word translated rule means to act as an umpire. The Bible says to let the peace of God rule in your heart. This means when we have a decision to make, we should let the peace of God given by the Holy Spirit literally make the call. Just make the call. When I was, uh, many of you know I played baseball, and after I got hurt um, and and graduated from high school, I started umpiring. Matter of fact, it was one of the most rewarding times of my life. People don't like umpires, okay, but umpires love what they do, all right? And I, would, I started out umpiring Little League because that's where every umpire has to start. Bless their little hearts. You know, and uh, you get out there and it's, the, you know, it's hot and uh, these little guys are getting up and, and they're hitting the ball. And, you know, the ball's being thrown to this side, of the, uh, this side of the field and that side of the field and over there and at your face and everywhere else. But every once in a while, in those little league games, the umpire has to make a hard call. And no matter which way you make it, there's going to be a crowd of parents behind you that are going to start hating you. My son was not out. He was safe. Or they begin to yell and they begin to to say what they want to say. And there's been many times as an umpire, I've taken my mask off and I've turned around to the crowd. And I'd say, I want you to look at what's on my shirt. It says that I'm the one that gets to make the call. You have a choice. You can either watch me make the calls from here, or you can watch me make the calls from your car. It's your choice. Can I tell you that whenever the Bible says that God is to rule your hearts, that means that we are not in control. That means that God is the one that makes the call. He is the ultimate decider of the game now it it, it is a true statement that if we allow God to rule our hearts and to do what God wants to do then we will have the peace of God within us if we have peace about doing something it's okay if we sense a, a loss of peace as we consider it the Holy Spirit is saying don't do it we need clear direction but remember the Holy Spirit never leads us to do anything that contradicts God's word are you with me? The Holy Spirit never leads us to do anything that contradicts God's word, which is the truth. The Bible describes that in John chapter 14 and verse number 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The spirit of truth. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse number 26. But when the comforter is come, who I will send unto you the, from the Father, even the spirit of What? Truth which proceeded from the Father, He shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit teaches, He empowers, He convicts, and He leads. He does all this in a way that is totally consistent with God's truth in the Bible. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Next week we're going to talk again about the Holy Spirit and uh, just uh, learn more about Him. We're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Maybe you've heard uh, and have questions about uh, speaking in tongues and all of those kind of things. Maybe those are things that that you've uh, heard along the way in your Christian life. And we'll talk about what does the Bible say about it. What does the Bible say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and all of those things? And I promise you it's very clear. It's very, uh, it's, it's, there, there's no, there's no muddy water here. Um, I, I believe with all my heart that, that God is very black and white in the word of God and there is no gray area. Amen. Black and white and no gray. It, it, it is exactly what he says it is. All right. Well, let's pray. And uh, thank you for being here tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you that we've had the opportunity to learn more about you tonight. Lord, I pray that uh, something that was said tonight would be an encouragement And uh, Lord, just knowing that you live inside of us and that you're working for us. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week.